First, we'll continue with the sermon. Again, the sermon is based on our Old Testament reading from Isaiah 52, verses 7 to 10. For those at home, you can follow along. And those here, you can follow along in your worship folder. And we'll begin with this prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Your reaction to the phrase, you can count on it, depends on the person who says it. When a friend of yours who, for the last, let's say, eight years, you've purchased a new watch for, tells you that they're going to bring eggnog to your Christmas party half an hour early and get all ready in a fancy bowl and put the, whatever, nutmeg stuff on top, you go ahead and buy eggnog about a week before your Christmas party. On the other hand, at the beginning of December, if you're talking to your neighbor about your vacation plans for the Christmas season, and before you can even ask, they say, just give me your spare key, and I'll grab your mail, I'll take the trash out for you, you don't have to worry about anything. You can't wait to give them the spare key because in the past, when you return from trips, you find your mail on the kitchen counter and it's been alphabetized, and there's a plate of fresh cookies there. You just want to go on vacation so they'll take care of all your stuff. Depends on who you ask. That's what determines the reaction. Now, on many occasions, God had warned Judah, that southern kingdom of Judah, that he would punish them if they continued down this path of sin. Time and time again, he came to them and he warned them, but they were just like that unreliable friend that you ought to keep buying the watch for who never pays attention to anything. Judah did not pay attention to God's consistent warnings through his prophets and through his word. Through Isaiah, God specifically told Judah how they were going to be punished. The Babylonians were going to take them captive. Now, the warnings that God gave to Judah are also a warning for us. Judah was God's people, but they had fallen away. We are God's people. That's the reason we're here this morning. We're here to sing the praises of our newborn king. But as soon as we leave this building, you're back out in the broken and sinful world that's been taken captive by sin. You're going to be threatened with all kinds of temptations. You're going to be threatened with a return to the sins that you've done in the past. And even now, just sitting here, the devil in your own sinful nature is populating both your heart and your mind with sinful thoughts and desires. So we need a warning. Paul warned the believers in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Even as a believer, you can fall from faith if you are not careful. Judah had everything going for them. As a southern kingdom, they had Jerusalem as their capital city the place where Solomon had built his incredible temple, the place where the sacrifices were done, where God's word was shared with the people. They had stopped worshiping God in the temple, and they had turned away and they pursued the power and the pleasures of this world. God's own people, with the temple, with the ark, God making his presence known there, had turned away. It's a warning for us. Without God turning away, this is all we have to expect. As we hear in Hebrews 10, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment 
and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. God had essentially told Judah, consider it done. In our Old Testament reading this morning for Christmas, God gave the message of punishment to Judah through the prophet Isaiah, but he did not leave them there. He also promised that he would save and restore them. We hear in Isaiah chapter 52, listen, good news is coming. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Isaiah here is picturing the future, events that have not yet happened. He is saying that Jerusalem will be in ruins at the hands of the Babylonians, which happened in 586 B.C. Babylon came and they destroyed Jerusalem, its walls, even the temple of God. But he says from those ruins there will be joy and rejoicing. The watchmen, the guys that would stand upon the wall and watch the horizon back in the day, the old school security camera satellite guys, and they would watch to see if an enemy was coming. He says, those guys that are keeping that constant watch day and night, they are going to see the Lord come back. And they are going to see Jerusalem rebuilt. And more importantly, God's people come back. And in 538 B.C., the exiles returned from Babylon. God made good on his promise. They came back and they rebuilt the wall and they rebuilt the temple. And again, began to sacrifice and hear the word of the Lord. Now, these prophecies came true for the physical nation of Israel. God said Jerusalem would fall and it would be restored, and that happened. It's a historical fact. But this prophecy had an even greater meaning. Often throughout the Bible, Jerusalem, that capital city, and Zion, its most prominent hill, are used as pictures to refer to all believers. God's Christian church, everybody with faith. In Isaiah 52, we read, The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Now again, for the nation of Israel, he allowed Babylon, a world power at their time, to fall. And the other kingdoms of that time saw them fall. God accomplished this for Israel. But more than that for us, God laid bare his holy arm. He rolled up his, seat, his sleeves to see the big arm of God with Jesus, his own son who came into the flesh, who was crucified up on a cross, up on a hill for all the people to see. And when his tomb was left empty and when he ascended into heaven, there was a great number of witnesses so that the world would know what God had accomplished through his strong arm. God had come to his creatures who had fallen and he had saved them. We had fallen into captivity, the captivity of sin, wonderful light. He shined that light in the darkness. That's what we hear. Our gospel reading from John chapter 1. It said, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That would be Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. God worked in the darkness. He came to live among us. 
And though the world rejected its Savior, God even worked through that rejection, through the crucifixion, to be the way to save us. We give glory to God. We sing His thanks and praise this Christmas for the great things that He has done for us. Emmanuel, which means God with us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. God has saved us, and He also will save us. So you are still in the captivity of your sins. You're still in this broken and sinful world. God has saved you, but now we are like those watchmen. The watchmen that, again, were on the wall watching to see what would come after battle. We watch and we wait for the Lord's return. We wait for Him to come back from heaven, and we read that Jesus is in heaven waiting for us, that he has made purification for all of our sins. We are washed clean. We are his holy people. We hear this good news and we see pictured that powerful Jesus in our New Testament reading from Hebrews chapter 1. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. When you think about it, it was so unnecessary for God to have to save us. We're his people. Not just us as the believers, but literally all human beings are his people. He made all of us. And Judah was his people. The people he had made from the promise to Abraham that he had grown into this great people. It was his people, but they had turned away and he had to save them. We were his people, but we turned away. Instead of starting over, instead of getting rid of us, God went and he paid for his people to be his own again. So great is God's love for us that his own people who had gone away from him, he paid again to make us his own. This is God's love for us. And you think of the prophet Isaiah who would have been so frustrated with Judah, knowing all of the promises and prophecies that had come in the past, having known the history of God's people to be stubborn and stiff-necked, to always go back to sin and turn away from God, so frustrated as he would share this wonderful promise that God would save them and prevent catastrophe because of their sin if they would only repent and they don't. So frustrated he would have been. But Isaiah, being a man of God, would have been frustrated with his own sinfulness and so thankful for God's grace and truth. And for us, too, we look around at society and we get so frustrated, we get pessimistic and we get apathetic that the word doesn't work, the world is lost, the gospel doesn't work. And we look at ourselves and we see ourselves falling into that same pattern of sin. We get so frustrated with ourselves. But this is the great news of Christmas, that this world is darkness. We are part of that darkness, but the light has come. The good news of Christmas does not come from the efforts that we do. It doesn't come from our work. It doesn't matter who we're around or what presents that we get. The joy of Christmas comes because we have been saved from our captivity to sin by our Savior, Jesus. It is the greatest gift. It is the free gift of God. That's your source of joy on Christmas, and it's your source of joy every day. When that person comes to you and says, consider it done, your reaction is always going to depend on that person. 
If it's that unreliable friend or family member, it's going to be met with an eye roll. Yeah, sure, you'll get it done. But if it's that person that comes to you and says, consider it done, it's a person that you can trust, that sentence is met with thanksgiving. God has done everything to save you, and he will save you, bringing you to heaven someday. God has said, consider it done. And so today we give thanks using the words of Isaiah 52. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, who says to us, God's people, your God reigns. So rejoice. God has and he will save you. Amen. Hi, my name is Gunnar Lederman, the pastor at Divine Peace Church, Rockwall in Texas. Thanks for watching this sermon. If you'd like to watch more, please follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Divine Peace Church, Rockwall. Thanks and God bless.